Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Feels like extra music kind of day to me. Let's have a little extra music, right? Why wouldn't you? Builds, rebuilds, get a little more. Welcome in to All Pro Lines, the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Kostaki Economopoulos. Football comedy talk, that's what we do here. We do uh, we do lots of things, but that's uh, those are the top three. Uh, I'm holding a ball from uh, underdogfantasy.com. A, a dog ball, as it were. I don't have a dog that can catch this anymore. I have, I have, I have visitation rights occasionally to a very old dog who's no longer catching balls. But I will take this to the pool and jump in there with the little kids sometimes and throw it around. Uh, if you've ever, if you're ever going to do props, the Super Bowl is the prop time. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code all pro lines and we'll get you an extra hundred bucks up to that, up to a deposit match of a hundred bucks. Uh, when you, uh, when you, when you start uh, doing a little extra gaming on the side, I also have a, uh, a goatee for the first time. Uh, I don't know, maybe ever. Uh, certainly the first time in a long time. I got tired of the thing and shaved with my face. And I'm like, all right, leave, leave a goatee for one day on the way down and then see how it goes. Uh, Andreas is in here. Jerry Oliver, Ron Milford, Heather. What's up, guys? Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for coming. It means a lot to me that you guys uh, get to see these names on this board uh, fairly often. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ron says the... Goatee looks good. I don't know. I don't know where you're supposed to stop. It's an exciting week. I'm probably going to shave tonight or tomorrow and uh, get ready for the week. I'm headed to Phoenix with Willie G to uh, do some Bob and Tom Super Bowl stuff. We're going to interview big shots and run around and do silly bits and try to create some content, as the kids say. Uh, I, I I have a little bit of a story. Let's do a couple of announcements. We'll do a quick story. Uh, 
I got some great gigs coming up after this week. I'm going to kind of sort of refocus on uh, being a stand-up. Uh, Muhammad, Muhammad, uh, Muhammad, Illinois. You know what it is. Uh, Shelbyville and Lexington next week. Not this coming weekend, but the weekend after that. Uh, then a couple weeks after that, I'm doing Cincinnati. I'm doing Clovis, California. I'm doing Ann Arbor. I'm doing Louisville. I just booked Charleston, South Carolina for the summer. I got some other stuff uh, figuring out. Um, <laughs> Heather says next stage porn stash. Yes, actually, that is the next stage. It's this. That's coming next. Enjoy, everybody. Uh, Marge is here. What's up, Marge? Thanks for coming in. So I got a quick story. Um, Frank Caliendo is joining me and Willie G to do some Bob and Tom stuff. And I'm kind of anxious about it because Frank is, I did a deep dive on some Frank Caliendo YouTube stuff. Do yourself a favor. You will not be disappointed. I was gut laughing so many times. Just type in Frank Caliendo into YouTube and just go watch him do interviews on Super Bowl Radio Row and Colin Cowherd and, you know, all, all the sports shows. And He does Letterman. He is a crazy genius. He's probably the best... He's, he's the best radio comic in the history of stand-up comedy. He crushes. He's in the moment. He's alive. He's interactive. He's not just doing bits. He goes back and forth between characters. It is, he's a monster of the game. Uh, so I was trying to think of an idea to do with, with Frank when we're there. And uh, and then I thought of this. I have a bit that I did. This uh, listen to this and and I'll and I'll tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> See if we can. <laughs> we lost here. John Madden since I talked to you guys. Uh, John Madden still refuses to fly, so he's expected in heaven in 2023. <laughs> 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 original take. Taking the stairs. I appreciate that, Joe. No, no, it's kind of uh, man you sort of feel guilty well, laughing at it, but uh, yeah, well way. done. Uh, that happens. First Gruden, now this. Tough year for Frank Caliendo's act. <laughs> yeah, we have a song about it. <laughs> you have a song about it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to hear it? No, no I do, actually. Well, I'll go on the website. What else do you have? <laughs> the best thing here. Tom does. Hey, uh, let's have a report. But first, here's Pat with a song. We have a special guest. The first like Pat's to, got a We like to mix it up. Pat, you want to play the song? Mix it up. I think we should just stick with the Kostaki thing. Like and I'm not getting bored with it. Oh, there we go. The truth comes out. No, no. This is Kostaki is doing great jokes. They give him a little breather. Yeah. Low breather. It's okay. Okay. Do you have any more de Madden uh, death jokes, or are we? Done? <laughs> yeah, sure. No one says success oh. like a breather. Go ahead. Well, I'm worried about Caliendo. You know, the Gruden thing was such awful news. I can't do that impression. You know, now, now poor Madden goes away. Jim Rome, please be careful out there. <laughs> For the love of God, Terry Bradshaw, no racist jokes. Can we? Can we make sure Morgan Freeman is taking his vitamins? <laughs> <laughs> no, like Caliendo's luck. He probably just perfected his impression of Antonio Brown. <laughs> there it is. The, the NFL will close on this. The NFL had three sad passings this week. John Madden at 85, Dan Reeves at 77, mm. and Mike Glennon at four for 11 for 24 <laughs> yards and two interceptions. <laughs> That's a sad passing. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right. So, so that was the bit that I did when uh, when Madden died on Bob and Tom. And so I was thinking, all right, we, I pitched this to Caliendo. So I so I wrote up a pitch. 
I was kind of intimidated because he's so good at all this stuff and it seems a little, but I also felt like, well, I'm the writer guy. I can sit and come up with some ideas. We pitch Frank a few things. We'll pick something he likes and then we'll do that. And, you know, and then of course you also have the daydream in your head of yeah, Frank's going to love it. He's going to put on his social media and he's going to hire me to write for him. And we're going to go on the road together and take the private jet and eventually we'll have another TV show and he'll have to bring me in as a writer and we will go through the world together creating football comedy content everywhere. So it's part of the daydream what it is to be in show business sometimes. So, so I wrote up this pitch, Frank's management, right? That was the idea for the pitch, right? Kostaki, Willie, and Noah are Frank's management team, and they're charged with keeping the subjects of Frank's favorite impressions on the straight and narrow. We see quick shots of them calling Morgan Freeman to encourage him to get his cholesterol checked, reminding Charles Barkley about the dangers of open microphones when telling jokes, <laughs> checking in to see if jo Jeff Goldblum got his colonoscopy, et cetera. In each case, there's a quick cut to Frank on the phone responding as the characters Right. So it's basically just a construct to let Frank do what he does. Right. And then I thought, well, we're on Radio Row. There's all these big shots there. It might be fun to have occasionally grab one to help us do the bit, like have him pretend to be, you know, a management for Caliendo and calling or have him in the scene with Frank. Right. It'd be fun to have Frank, go, you know, to Dan Marino, whoever's standing next to him. Hold on. I got to take a call. And then he does gold bloom. And so I wrote this up and I sent it to the to the group. And pretty quickly, Frank responded. So I take a deep breath and I open the email. I'm like, here we go, show business. I'm going, I'm on a rocket ship to success with Frank Collier. Frank's not interested in doing these sort of bits. <laughs> he wants to come in and sort of be himself and do a couple quick things and in and out. He's only kind of doing some stuff with us because he's, he lives there and he's opened it and he's friendly and he was, but he didn't, he didn't love the idea as much as I had dreamed, but who, who does? Nobody, it's never goes quite as well as you want in show business. So it goes. So I thought that was worth sharing with you guys that the whole process and the hesitation and the trepidation and the thing, and then worrying. And then it, it's just, it's what it is. A life is full. It's not just show business. Life is full of these little disappointments as you go but i i stand by the idea i think it's a funny construct for frank to kind of do his thing anyway nobody cares <laughs> i'm glad i only really wrote one up um so uh four okay all right i gotta move along um uh, uh let's let's do some jokes that's what we should do let's do a few jokes it's it's uh, a Tom Brady jokes. This is like kind of our last chance to do Tom Brady. The jokes. two minute drill. Of course, I know in my heart that Tom Brady is not, never leaving my life. He's going to be in Fox and in ads and he's going to be. He's the next Joe Montana, even more so. He's the, he's the Bill Clinton of post-presidential politics. <laughs> he's going to be around for fucking ever. I know this. And we'll do a little recycling here some, because he retired. This is the second time. So I was able to go back and grab some of my favorite jokes for this week. Tom Brady retired. The first person to ever retire to spend less time with his family. Huh? He's stepping away from football to spend more time with carbs. How is this news? Boston man retires in Florida. What is that? That's not news. That happens every week. Then Tom Brady woke up on Groundhog Day and saw his shadow. Six more years of football. Just kidding. Thanks to his diet, Tom Brady can no longer cast a shadow. 
I feel bad for these 80-year-old broads who traveled all the way to see Tom Brady, and now he now he's not there because he's a quitter. <laughs> he actually came for the premiere. I, uh, I my kid and the thing and the mom and the mom wrote the script, and so I've been talking to the dad about. There's another show business moment. I'm on a playground chasing around a four-year-old talking about, you know, the mom is the one who wrote the script of this movie. So they were kind of excited that, that Brady was able to make it to the premiere. They weren't sure he was going to get there. Anyway, uh, Brady's career is sold. Leonardo DiCaprio won't date it. He's been doing – Brady wants to retire, so he has more time to explain military benefits to Gronk. Doesn't really understand some of the <laughs> – Busted! Uh, Brady can also get to work on the Hall of, Sp Hall of Fame speech. I'd like to thank my fellow players and coaches and, of course, the fans. But mostly I want to thank the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills. <laughs> uh, when Brady was playing, there was no Chinese spy balloon. That's all I'm saying. As soon as he quits, trouble. Trouble everywhere. Uh, not playing football anymore. Boy, those family Uno games are about to get intense. These type A guys when they're not doing... I don't know who the best shuffleboard player in the world is, but get ready, dude. Tom Brady is coming for your ass. Does he get a gold watch? Watch is a weird retirement tradition. It's the first day of your whole life. You don't give a fuck what time it is. What a weird time to get a watch. Of course, he's not retiring. He's just moving to another sequence of giant paydays. This fucking guy. Uh, Brady went crazy celebrating his retirement. He had a Mick Ultra and a half a or non-organic avocado. Well, he's really loosening up. He's really. <laughs> it's ironic that Brady is considered the king of Super Bowl Sunday when, when most Americans eat the worst food. He wasn't even a pro bowler this year, so he couldn't qualify for flag football. Flag football is really just a safe way to show that you're close enough to tackle the guy but didn't, so nobody gets hurt, which is pretty much the current NFL rule on tackling quarterbacks. Uh, these skills challenges were a little weird. I can't believe Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon lost the three-legged race. Antonio Brown beat them at the three-legged race by himself. Am I right, everybody? Good night. D'Amico Ryan's new head coach, the Houston Texans. He said that's his dream job. Sure, it starts as a dream, ends with waking up screaming. Even people illegally crossing the Mexican border are not dreaming of Houston. <laughs> Sean Payton headed to Denver. Broncos traded some significant picks for him. You could call it a real bounty. Hmm? Cowboys have named Brian Schottenheimer their offensive coordinator. Schottenheimer is the biggest name in football. That's way longer than Economopolis. It's got some repeaters and takes a few letters to make the shah sh sound. You know, it's not even fair, but. Shot number sounds like something a Mormon says in place of a cuss word. That no good, gosh darn, Schottenheimer. Jason Kelsey's wife is due and is bringing her OBGYN to the game just in case. I have a feeling Gronk volunteered for the job. <laughs> if, she if she delivers the baby during halftime show, that's a ratings bonanza right there. You thought Janet Jackson's nipple was a big deal. Wait till we see Miss Kelsey fully dilated. That's going to be some... <laughs> All right. This isn't even, I don't even have a joke for this. It's just an astounding fact. Are you ready for this? If you haven't seen this, this is going to blow your mind. The Super Bowl winner will finish with more wins in the Cardinals stadium this season than the Cardinals. Isn't that amazing? The Cardinals only had one game at home this year and they lost home games against the Eagles and the Chiefs. How weird is this situation? 
So the Chiefs, Cardinals, and Eagles all have one win in the stadium as of today. <laughs> oh, that's a brutal stat. All right. That's enough of that. Um, let's do one more super short clip, and then we'll bring in uh, Brian Miller. Let's see if we can add this to the stream. This is me, last year, Super Bowl Radio Row, gingerly taunting Najee Harris about the Bulldogs beating Alabama. Finally, come on, you got to give it to him. It's been four no, years. Yeah. No, nah, yeah, We've man, you guys, you guys definitely deserved it, man. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was going to be a good game when we had to play y'all again, you know. Um, so, you know, it's hard to beat a, a good team twice. Yeah, so, uh, right. and, and, so um, congratulations to you guys, finally, because yeah. <laughs> it's about time. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though, I don't know how y'all lost my freshman year in yeah, the national championship. That's right. I don't know how y'all lost the SEC championship. Yeah. When we changed quarterbacks. What are you, my subconscious? I don't know how. Why you gotta Why you gotta hurt my feelings like that? I didn't know we were getting real today. Okay. But you know, it's like it's like shooting a three pointer. You know, I mean, a person who can't shoot. You know, he just keeps trying and trying. Eventually, oh, one's oh, gonna come down. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> Najee was great. A lot of these guys are. I, I I was so impressed by the. Last year, the the guests we had were amazing. And I, over and over and over again, like Najee and Austin Eckler, those guys could be CEOs. They're charming and smart, and they're comfortable in their own skin. They were diplomatic. They were kind. They were generous. It's like I was really surprised by how much I liked some of the guys that we interviewed. Anyway, I also like this guy, one of my favorite characters in the world, Brian Miller. If you're not following him on social media, you're just dumb. Go, uh, He's a great follow on Twitter in particular. He loves a good short joke. Uh, not a short joke. Sure. All right. You guys know him. You love him. Brian Miller, let's bring him in here. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> Who do you think that uh, Randy Newman reference was for other than me? <laughs> it wasn't you. I didn't even. I don't even. Are you sure? You don't You don't read short to me. I don't know. Are you short? I'm not short. I'm six feet tall. I mean, you're a little extra tall, but, you know. You're six feet tall? Wow. I thought yeah. you were shorter than that. Well, You I know just... what it is? You, you feel like a little brother to me. Because of sure. our relationship in common. Yeah. But you're not short. Yeah, of course. No. Uh, but I do think of you as a kid sometimes, which is stupid. Well, but. here's the, I love that because <laughs> I'm in my 40s. And so that's the only place I can get that is from hanging out with older comics. <laughs> right. Whenever you drag a guy across the Dakotas telling jokes together. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, you you go up. Nobody knows you're here. And, and uh, you make sure the sound works. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You deal with all the knuckleheads and figure out everything, and then you hand me a nice clean plate. That's your job, Brian Miller. It yeah, usually works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've had some good times, man. It's been a while since we've done one of those kind of things. We should do it. I know. we got to do a little road run here. <laughs> How are you, buddy? What's going on with you? Oh, got my life threatened in Wisconsin this weekend, so that was fun. I saw it. Go ahead. Tell me that, because well, I, so, I just saw the headline. Yeah, so... It, <laughs> It was so half-hearted, and here's what I've come to realize is when, especially when a guy looks like me, I'm you're a little in the less nerdy spectrum than me, but you're kind of in the, you, as my buddy Chris Maddock would say, they can smell the tolerance on you, you know? <laughs> when you're That's a guy funny. who's from the city and looks like they've seen a book before, and then you come to a small town, there's this <laughs> perfunctory animosity, this kabuki theater they have to play out, where they like feel the need as like a cultural representation of their own pride to like threaten the city boy. But like, even when this guy did it, it was so half-hearted. I was like, dude, you're enjoying the show. Why do you got to pretend to like, Oh, we got to, we got to threaten old glasses boy here. It's oh, like, right. 
And I, this is, I always want to stop and say, you know, you're paying me to be here. Like you've all gotten <laughs> together and chipped in $10 each. So that I'll come here. Why are you treating me like the adversary? I'm not treating you like the adversary, right? I want everyone to have right. a good time, but there's, the, and they always get through it. I always get her. I always get the death threat uh, usually before the show or early in the show. And then I don't get scared. I always get a death threat what every kind of- time. It's like, oh, you're. Really, I think the uh, you'd be lucky to get out of this parking lot, or you're not going to get out of here. Or, you know, they always let you know they're armed or whatever. And then they see that you're not scared, and then it's like, all right, I've threatened the city boy. We've done our part. Now we can just have a normal time. It's like that's a prerequisite to just going on with the rest of our relationship. And then so afterwards, weird. they're like, oh, you seem like a nice guy. Want to have a beer? Let me have a smoke, have a beer, whatever. And I'm like, do you remember? 43 minutes ago when you felt like you needed to tell me that I might die. <laughs> you know, I have to, I have to admit, I have a teeny tiny version of this in my own world. Once in a while, there'll be a big city comic that comes into my environment. Mm-hmm. Matthew Broussard was one. Do you know that name? Oh, what a handsome fellow. Matthew. Broussard he's is. ridiculously handsome. And, and, and a dr- really interesting, just poised guy. He right, and he looks like an underwear model, and he's yes. like well dressed, and uh-huh. he goes on stage and he does like clean jokes in a bar mm-hmm. environment because he's working on a thing. I have to say, when when something like that happens, which which is sort of my version of the big city guy coming to my space, I do feel, I get a little bristly. I have to kind of dampen it because my my instinct is like ah, go fuck yourself, you pretty boy with the yeah, thing. But he's great. The, <laughs> no, no, I agree. He's funny. I liked him a lot. I, yeah. But I, that kind of like, I can relate to the experience of feeling like, oh, don't look down on me because I'm doing dick jokes in a bar and whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, I understand the situation of feeling a little like, okay, this guy's gonna, he's on a, He's on a higher plane and some Let's of take the take this guy down a peg lest he think he's better than us. Yeah, no, I, didn't, whatever. I didn't do well, any of that, but I, I relate to the bristliness. I understand it. Yeah. Well, I think we like to find ourselves in these roles, like not as comedian, I mean, in life. And it's like, well, I'm the small town guy. So the city guy is the opposite of me. So I got to like affirm my countryness against his <laughs> cityness. Right. And from my, I'm like, I'm just a dude. I'm just here, you know, like I grew up in a small town. It's not like I'm not familiar. It's not like I was born in Manhattan and just right, left there. Right. You're from Kentucky for the yeah. long <laughs> And, but then here's the thing is when I talk about being from Kentucky and I talk about that, then they're like, okay, they're okay with me. But I don't like the idea that I got to like show my country bona fides to like prove my worth. So right. then my probably very negative impulse is to steer in exactly the opposite direction. Right, of course. And to become a much yeah. more citified, right. snooty version of myself just yeah. to be like, oh, you think I got to prove something to you? Well, <laughs> catch this abortion joke, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I definitely had to fight those. It's I would My early days were doing one-nighters. I mean, think about the one-nighters that are drivable from Marietta, Georgia. Yeah, like, I mean, Georgia gets thick fast. I mean, those are my early... I would pull up to the parking lot, and if there were more pickups than cars, like I was like, oh, I'm dead. There's no hope for me. Um, and I, I would have to fight the same instinct. I would have both instincts. I would, I would sometimes open by talking about being from Georgia to just to kind of try to sure. settle the... And I also had the one that you're describing where I'm like, oh, you don't like edgy? Well, then fucking bundle up. <laughs> yeah. 
I, when I was first on the road and, you know, I wasn't as confident on stage and I, I mean, I, I, however good I am now, I wasn't that good yet. Right. We weren't sure if it was going to go well, at least now I'm like, I got this, we're going to have fun. But I was always so nervous. And I, and I think because I was nervous, people did that threaten the city boy thing even more. So I used to always take a whiskey with me on stage and I'd kind of be showy about doing a whiskey shot real early. Yeah, and it was just kind of, but it, it's dumb, but it really would work in a way where they were like, well, he can't be too bad. He's drinking straight whiskey, right? you know, and, and, but later I was like, I'm not going to performatively drink whiskey for these people, <laughs> but it did work. I mean, it did <laughs> oh, yeah. somehow, you know, it's like in the Western, right? And they order the whiskey and they wait to see if the guy's going to shoot it or sip it, you know, <laughs> and I shot it. That's really <laughs> funny. I, yeah, I definitely had a few things in my act that I was aware of trying to prove that I was of them and not above them at the beginning. I was very much aware of that. I would do like a Southern accent in a bit. And I was talking about being a construction worker and, sure. you know, right. Yeah, I, that wasn't by accident that those were kind of at the front of my thing. Plus, I had a fucking weird name nobody could say. And yeah. they never heard it before. And so it was extra like. Okay, who is this fucking guy? You're just dark complexed enough to be suspicious. In right, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness 9-11 was after I was an open biker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely wouldn't have a beard in that, you know, that would, that's not helpful. No, and I just, I do look like a city nerd. I just always will, and I know it, and I can't do anything about it. Yeah, right. <clears throat> what am yeah, I supposed do. to do? Right, the glasses. We both have glasses. That's like... yeah. That's it's like it's out of the central casting. Like, oh, the nerd that comes from yeah, first glasses, then so it goes. All right, um, I have a few. I have several things to talk to you about. Sure. Uh, let's <coughs> discuss this because I think this is an interesting situation. Uh, it's in the doc, so you and I have already kind of written on this subject, but I think it's fascinating. Two Tennessee lawmakers propose making Super Bowl Monday an official holiday. And they have to lose one of the other holidays to make it work. So they propose that we scrap Columbus Day, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's actually, this actually, when I started reading, I was like, this is a bunch of fucking rednecks trying to prove, mm -hmm. it's just, just what we described, trying to prove to the masses that they like football, some positive thing. Yeah, one of those really like messaging with. bills or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. But actually, this is a good idea. That It is statistically one of the least productive days of the year, the Monday mm -hmm. after Super Bowl. Columbus Day is stupid and we need to yep. grow out of it and graduate away from it. And well, I think it's a good idea. What do you think? Well, I was just relieved they didn't suggest getting rid of MLK Day. <laughs> that was where I thought they were going. I was like, oh, no. Because at first you think like, oh, what are they going to get rid of? And, but then if you think about it, it's oh, a no. sneaky, it's a perfect compromise because it's actually sneaky progressive. Right, because we're yeah, getting rid of is. Columbus Day, which is traditional, like a traditionalist wants to keep it and a progressive right. wants to get rid of it. We kind of all agree Columbus sucks. Let's ditch that guy. But the Super Bowls are perfect because we're not like the, the, the reactionary versus, oh, I suppose you want to get rid of Columbus Day so we can have a trans wheelchair acceptance day or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's like not football. It's like, oh, football? It's yeah, like, yeah. And everybody, when do you want a day off? Do you want a day off real bad and like, mid-october or whenever the hell columbus day is or do you want a day off in early february that's when you need a day off early february sucks and a real monday off in in super the day after the super bowl is exactly a little island where we desperately need a national holiday anyway 
Right. It's a good argument. I like all of that. I'm, I'm literally all for it. But as I read on in the article, it, it suggested, or there's already a President's Day that's the third Monday of February. Ooh. And if the NFL just moved it back one week, then it would solve all the things with no doings, which seems like the perfect answer. The NFL wants to expand their season anyway. Mm -hmm. They are they already they already did move it an, an extra week into February just in the last few years, I think. Am I right about that? Yeah. Well, they added the week 17. Right. Uh, so or was that where 18, it went? The they didn't start game. a different time? Okay. Yep. That's why it's a week later now. It's they could add another buy, or they could just start. You know, there's a mm -hmm. lot of things they could do. They could they could have a little extra cushion between this and that in case there's a Bills Bengals problem again. And you know, oh, that's interesting. Like that bye week becomes a um, or you know, if uh, you know, let's say there's a new COVID variant and they start having to like keep guys out of games because of Omicron two for right. a little bit. If that they had a have... week between yeah. season and playoffs, maybe. Or if they... What about a... Okay, I think you just nailed it. And I think for TV purposes, they wouldn't like this. They should add a bye week before the wild card round so that every team gets at least a full week off before they play. I like that idea, right. Or make just like the bottom couple of teams play so there's something going on that week. Sure. Most of the teams get a bye. I think that's what they're going to do with the college football playoff. Um, the top four get a bye, and then the five through 12 have to play. Sure. Um, you could do some modified version of that where the top half of the teams get a buy or something. Um, yeah, I like that idea. And I would love another week of football. They could even just, even if they want to keep everything the same otherwise, they could literally just have every NFL team get two buys and sort of shuffle oh, it yeah. out an extra yeah. week or two. For the player's health and for the quality of the football, I think that would be better because you would probably have slightly fewer injuries with guys with more time to rehab. Right. And then that would buy you an extra week, you know, where, like, okay, you know, Pat Mahomes can rest his ankle or, or whatever. And you can, and you, you're more likely to spend more time on the field with the people you want to see. Right. Yeah. I like that. All right. Well, let's do this. Then. But now it's time for which comes first. Oh, yes. It's time for which comes first. Now tell me, will this happen before that happens? It's time for which comes first. So which comes first? Uh, some state or entity has a Super Bowl Monday day off or the NFL changes the schedule to accommodate this sort of Monday President's Day thing. I think it's the latter. I think it's way more likely. First off, I don't think a state is going to do it. It actually would weirdly need to be a national holiday. Um, <laughs> really? All the real holidays are national, right? Or, or re nationally recognized. I, mean, I think that's true. Yeah. So, because it, or, it's a federal right. office thing or whatever. Exactly. And with, with President's Day already being one, that way you don't have to create one. You freeze President's Day on a schedule. Also, we can move President's Day. It's called president's day it's already kind of made up that's already a blend of what used to be right yeah. washington's birthday lincoln something yeah yeah so i think we can move that around but it needs to be national it would suck if it was like some states have it off and some don't and oh I'm not that's an even that's a slightly even better way to do this you could just move president's day one week yeah, yeah. Ah, i like that why not i mean it's not it's not christmas it's not on the 25th every time yeah, that's right yeah you know? that's, that's right it's not it's not <laughs> um the 4th of July, it's not tied to anything. So That seems even better. We're, we're problem solvers, Brian. Yeah. We're, we're answering all of society's problems. You know, it's funny. 
this week someone asked me to run for Minneapolis City Council. What? Isn't that insane? No, you're the new you're the new face of this kind of thing. We're trying to get regular <laughs> people into these jobs now. That was right? kind of their idea. I mean, I said no for a lot of reasons. <laughs> One of which is I don't. It's funny they were like, "Well, you're you like talking to people and you're good at public speaking." And I said, "Well, you you're half right." <laughs> I'm good at public speaking. I'm good at writing. I don't jokes. really like talking to people. Uh, <laughs> and I don't really like groups of more than like four people. And as far as I can tell, all being on the city council is is going to large groups of people and listening to them talk. <laughs> Disinterested. Sound, it's not your cup of tea. But if I had that kind of power, right, I could start, uh, you know, making stuff happen. <laughs> How much of a job is it? Is it one of those part-time things like mayor where it's just like you're doing seven hours a week at a thing or something? It's a, I think it pays like 20 or 30 grand. Um, oh, oh, it's like a thing. But it's, it's, it's not a full-time job, but I mean, it would be like most of your nights, you know, you gotta, go, you your gotta nights. go. Oh yeah. Days and nights. You gotta do when you're in that kind of political thing, you gotta go to like parades and you're cause you're in your wards. And every time there's some stupid school ceremony and graduation, you gotta go give a speech. And there's a, this parade or a, that festival. I mean, you, you, you are required to be a public person and to essentially go to all these public events. That's, you know, and that's the part I have no interest in. Yeah. I can see this is a terrible speech. Oh, oh awful. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would be good at voting on stuff cause I'm reasonably moderate for my part of the country. And, uh, I don't have any, I don't want to, I just want people to leave me alone and for them to get left alone and persevere. Well, that's already way too lefty. <laughs> yeah. I just well, in my ward in city of Minneapolis, it's not about are you on the left or the right? It's how far left are you vis-a-vis? You know what I mean? Like you can go right. a little too far. Yeah, yeah. And then and that's what the, they don't like the current lady. So they want somebody to run, but it could oh. be this guy. <laughs> but if it was, I could start the Super Bowl. Although, how ironic would it be if this legislation started in Minneapolis, which is never we haven't even played one since like the seventies. <laughs> you know, it's like why would we care if it's a holiday? It's all the same to us. If you're a woman over forty dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. <laughs> All right, let's do, uh, let's do this. Taps on the back. Taps on the back. Taps on the back. Taps on the back. I think my answer is a talking point. So if you have one and want to go first, you can. Uh, mine is two. So you do yours and I'll do mine. Mine's okay, fair. Of a, yeah. I have been making fun of the Pro Bowl for years. Yeah. In so fact, I, I have been in the same document. <laughs> what, right. One of my favorite jokes of all time is the Pro Bowl is sponsored this year by Aquafina. A game so watered down, it's actually sponsored by water. That's a joke <laughs> from like 10 years ago. Yeah. The Pro Bowl has been ridiculous for years. And you know what? I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think given the circumstances, given what they're left to work with in the current environment, I think they nailed it. They did everything they could do. 
the, the, I thought the flag football worked. I thought the Manning brothers being against each other and actually giving a shit about the outcome was cool. Pat McAfee. I mean, they threw everything they had to try to save this fucking thing. Pete Davidson was there. Snoop Dogg was there. They had some cool, like weird little games. They had kick-tack-toe where the kickers are trying to kick up into the oh, that's squares. Cool. I love the dodgeball idea. I, I, that was the only right? one I actually wanted to watch was the dodgeball. They had some sled stuff and these weird sort of uh, obstacle. It reminded me a little bit of like Battle of the Network, Network Stars. Stars. Remember? I was thinking that. Absolutely. I think given what they had to try to work with to try to save this thing, I thought they did great. I'm really shocked to hear myself say that, but kudos to the Pro Bowl. I didn't watch any of it, which I never did anyway, but I would be much more inclined to watch any of that stuff than the game because like, it was such a poor simulacrum of football. Yes, it became that slowly over the last decade. But I also don't want it to be a real football game because, like, I mean, I don't want Kirk Cousins out there risking his knee next season because he's playing in a meaningless fake game in Hawaii or whatever, you know? Like, so I, there was never a good answer for that. This is, I think, the best answer. I think, I think the best they can do is like figure out which events were the most fun and maybe try to have add some other events to take out the least fun ones until they get the right blend. Right. I think there should be like a trivial pursuit game. I think there should be a team trivia, like a bar <laughs> trivia. I want these guys to have, I want to see what they know. Cause like some of these guys are really smart and some of these guys are not. It actually is the full range. Yeah, that's true. Based on my experience with them, some of them are really sharp and you don't, you kind of, you know, you grow up kind of kidding around about jocks and you just assume they're boneheads. Some of them are great. Like I was well, saying earlier, yeah. Austin Eckler could be a fucking CEO. He was so sharp. Well, football team's 53 guys, right? Yeah. You know, if in any group of 53 people, there's going to be some really smart people and some really dumb people. Right. There's just there's so it, much more room for the spectrum of the thing. And I think right. football, like some guys are like physically intuitive. And then some guys are like Manning style, like doing all this like matrix level math in their head. Right. That's the, that's the thing that I forget about. Cause there's two forces at work. One is these guys are the best in the world at what they do. And so part of the equation for some of them is that they're fucking smart. They have it together. Mm-hmm. They know what they need to do, the work ethic, and they're good at making decisions. And that's part of the reason that they're in this upper echelon of sort of this tiniest percentage of characters who make it this far. But there's also this other force at work. Some of them are, what they're athletes and they've been stars since they were nine years old and they're being pushed through these programs and nobody gives a fuck if they do well in the tests at all, Mm -hmm. or they're not defined by being thoughtful, interesting, informed human beings. Yeah. So that's not something they're working on. And they are spending so much time on these physical attributes and skills that they're developing. So it's interesting because you definitely could have the full range. You're right. Even on one team, it's like you could have the dumbest fucking guy in the world and somebody that you're like, holy fuck, that guy's really got it together. Right. That's the same. That's the same sport. It's amazing. Well, my buddy, uh, my buddy who does a lot of Viking stuff says that whenever he talks to Harrison Smith, he's like, is anything going on in there? You know, <laughs> but then also the Vikings produced Justice Alan Page, who after he was in the Purple People Eaters, got a law degree and is now a, a, a very famous judge and has schools named after him here. I mean, right, right. Alan Page is like a truly inspirational, brilliant man. And it's like, those are both Vikings. Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's, that's kind of great. I, I think that's kind of part of what makes football fun. 
I agree. Yeah. So my kudos are to the Pro Bowl. What do you got? Well, this this uh, transitions nicely because uh, my kudos are, uh, I suppose, a bit ironic to a guy who fancies himself quite intelligent. Kudos to Arian Foster for showing us that some conspiracy theories are too stupid to believe. <laughs> you know, you know people used to make a big deal that Arian Foster was like this really smart, interesting guy who wrote poetry. You remember that? Yeah, right. Well, he was vegan or something, which is really unusual for a running back. He bought it. You know, like they kind of, people do the same thing with Marshawn Lynch. And I, I kind of maybe buy it with Marshawn. He's an interesting guy. But he he's also, definitely not boring, right? Oh, no, he's not boring. But these are, oh, Aaron Foster, he's so cerebral. And I was like, really? I never, but I don't know. <laughs> but then he's him on this podcast and he's cool. I mean, there's only two possible options. One is that he's telling the truth. And he's just revealed this incredibly shocking secret that essentially pulls a curtain down on an incredibly vast and elaborate conspiracy, the difficulty of maintaining which is almost unfathomable. <laughs> or he's just so dumb. And I think he just is he just wants attention and he's just gonna go say something dumb, which if you haven't heard, uh, listeners, he basically claimed that the NFL is the world's largest play, and that there are writers who like write like wrestling. And that right. the entire thing is scripted. At the beginning of the season, you get the script for the entire season. <laughs> and it's funny to me to imagine how much harder it would be to play football to match a script <laughs> than it would be to just play the games. Right? Like, can you imagine? There's so many moving parts and like, oh, Joe Theismann volunteered to have his leg explode. Uh -huh. Or like sometimes right. guys pretend to drop a pass they could have caught like odell could always make a one-handed catch but sometimes he does and doesn't right and and like what about guys whose careers fall off a cliff like who volunteers to be the guy who's all of a sudden a terrible running back but wasn't uh, jerry's just said this in the comments so this is what i thought too do i need to go back and look at this because i thought he was just fucking around i i you know I, I didn't see it on twitter it seemed like he wasn't and it was i definitely saw people who believe it what he says and it was and, and I think it also even points out a real thing of people who are like, oh, the NFL's all rigged. They tell the referees to do this. I just think that's so stupid for a couple of reasons. One is like these bad calls don't actually add up in any direction. Every Packers fan thinks the Packers get the worst calls, and every Vikings fan thinks the Packers get the best calls. Right. Well, it's probably mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle. And the other thing is if the NFL was rigged, think of all the catastrophically boring Super Bowls we've had. <laughs> Like, we've had some good ones, right? We had Patriots, Seahawks, whoa, crazy finish. Or even, yeah. like, like I know it was a sad moment for you, but the Patriots come back to the Falcons. It was, like, it was a mind-blowing moment of sports entertainment, a shocking comeback. But, like, right. there's a lot of Super Bowls where it's like, oh, man, the Niners scored four points or whatever. I mean, it's like, so, and Super Bowls for a while, especially in the 80s and 90s, had a stretch where there was more often than not were the worst game of the season. I remember thinking as as a relative newcomer to football that the Super Bowls were often bad. Yeah. Because of all the pressure and the things that are going on. One team gets a lead and they can sort of, you know, parlay that into just crushing the other team. And I feel like we definitely had a run of that for sure. The NFL, if it was rigged, there was a 0% chance that they would ever have a Super Bowl that was it would at least be like a good first half. And then it falls apart at the end. No one's rigging the NFL. Right. So the Super Bowl is a blow. Like, that's the most important thing. That's when they have the most eyeballs. Yeah. There's no way. That's a good point. Yeah. Ryan Leap, there were several players who were sort of like 
doing a tongue-in-cheek sort of explanation of the rigging, including Ryan Leaf, who was talking about how when he was in jail, he was angry that he had agreed to do this. And he was like, fuck this. I don't care about the money. But I hung in there and took the money. And uh, now I'm glad I did because I'm one of the billionaires. And, you know, I didn't I didn't like that being my role, but I was a great actor. And, you know, he was he was kidding. Around. I think that's what Arian was doing. Too, I hope right? so. I and I will say this. And this is the, the problem of the Twitter era, right? As I saw I, I watched the whole clip. Now it was a two minute clip. And right. he seemed serious in that. And also because people are so insane now. But you, when you see something insane, you used to be like, oh, that's a parody. And now you're like, I don't know. <laughs> like, so many completely insane things happen. So I, maybe Aaron Foster is a brilliant. He was being hilarious, and Twitter mischaracterized it. I hope so. I And that's the impression that I got. Did, uh, Jerry sort of chimed in here. Ron, did you see it? Heather, anybody else? I'd be interested to hear. I hope Andreas, so. Yeah, I think I, that's what happened. But I, it, I maybe I'll go look at it. It did not play like that on Twitter. I'll tell you, there was a lot of people who took it at face value, and the way the clip was decontextualized did not feel like parody. Oh wow. Okay. All right. But again, that's bad context. I mean, but that's everything, right? You have some stand-up. You take a forty-five second clip and to pillory him, and it's like, well, if you saw the whole five-minute joke, the whole bit, right. right? It was like, oh, right, this right. is all in this understandable context, but. Right, but right. I, I do. There are a lot of people, like a lot of people, who believe the NFL is rigged the way that, like, I think boxing definitely was at times because boxing is the easiest thing to rig. Hey, one guy fall down. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking that about uh, the one that that feels the most rigged to me as an outsider is high lie because it's such a weird, fluky game, and whether or not you catch the ball or not, it's so easy. It would be so easy to do it or not, depending on what the call was from the mob, you know, <laughs> although people would have to care about a highlight. That would they're be... not making any, uh, you know, they're the, the players aren't making a lot of real money. There's no real eyeballs on it. I just assumed that one was rigged, but I have point, no idea. point shaving in basketball obviously would not be, a, don't shoot. Well, right. That's pretty easy to do, but that is, that does hurt you professionally, right? What? Like not doing well at the thing that you built your whole life oh, yeah. around. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, I, as I recall, the big point-shaving scandal was in college basketball, and a lot of those guys weren't making any money because they were in college and probably weren't going to the pros. Yeah. I mean, I at least understand how it's possible in that situation. I can put it this way. There's a world where a kicker knows that if he makes a kick, they win, but they cover the spread. And if he misses the kick, they win, but they don't cover the spread. Like, there's a world where that guy misses a kick. To, but but the, but the scenario leading up to that would be so complicated that like right, it right. would be so unlikely that it would come down to that. And one occasional knucklehead trading away fifty grand to do something dumb in a game is a very different yes. suggestion than the NFL has script writers. Yeah. Oh yeah. One guy saying like, <laughs> if right. one quarterback, like if Ryan right. Tannehill secretly got twenty million dollars to throw a game, he could totally do it. He just throw a few worm burners, toss a couple interceptions. Right. You wouldn't even probably know. But like, I mean, I don't. He's not going to do that. But yeah. But the idea of like a true conspiracy is so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. We love conspiracies, man. We love them so much. People want. The, they're so crave the idea of meaning in the chaos that they prefer a malicious meaning. That's weird, right? I'm fine especially, with the chaos. Especially for something like football, which has no real, like, yeah. I, and, and there have been examples in the American government's history where 
they pretend that Lusitania was sunk by somebody else. Oh, yeah. Initiate. There are moments that are legit conspiracies, but they're very few and far between for all the reasons, but you can't cover them up. That's the number one reason. It's almost impossible to, to maintain the lie beyond a group of like a handful of characters. Yeah, um, like the whole like, uh, you know, the theory that Stanley Kubrick faked the moon landing, that he was the director and that he shot the moon landing is a very yeah, popular yeah. conspiracy theory. And my thought is like, oh, yeah, Kubrick could do that. He would do great at it. And uh, he would keep his mouth shut. He's Stanley Kubrick. But the gaffer or the lighting guy. Right, right. And, and maybe not then, but on if, if I'm 88 and dying of cancer and I yeah. faked the moon landing, you better bet I'm calling the hospital <laughs> staff and to be like, by the way, you know. <laughs> It's like grass. If there was a guy That's in the grass, right. you know, the shot JFK, that guy's doing a deathbed confession. Cause you want your, you want your credit. Yeah. That's the one I've actually been listening to a thing recently about uh, Chris Spangles. Uh, Ron talked me into listening to it. It's actually pretty interesting. That one, that one oh, definitely went down with Kennedy. Something, it, something weird happened there. We think we know that. Oh, I actually not to get too far on field, but I think, I think it's, as much as I don't believe that like wild 9-11 conspiracy theories like the government controlled demolition or whatever, I also think it's incredibly naive to think that we know everything that happened on 9-11. You oh, know, yeah. Yeah. you know, maybe building seven was a controlled demolition <laughs> after the fact, or maybe one of the, the they did shoot that plane down that crashed because they knew it was gonna crash into the White House or some, you know, or just some minor thing like, oops, we actually had a cache of files that like told us this was gonna happen and we uh, screwed up on that you know like it doesn't have to be an elaborate malicious thing but like any giant national thing like, i'm sure there's lies and details omitted but that is a very yeah, different yeah. thing than like someone sat down with a pen and paper and plotted out a big elaborate conspiracy plan right right yeah right, i would think it's right. funny the 9 11 conspiracy <laughs> theories i'm like the actual thing was a conspiracy among a bunch of terrorists like, yeah right. it was a conspiracy <laughs> Right. But you understand that I understand the motivation because if the story, if the explanation is one of the democratic countries was involved, yes, that's really yucky. Of course, yeah. of course you have to get to the bottom of that. If that's what happened, then yeah. Yeah. And so Kennedy, <laughs> I mean, if it was the Cubans or the mob or the CIA, if it was any of those people, even after the fact, if somebody finds out about it, they're like, we better uh, find a way to keep this quiet. This is not going to be good for anybody to come out, you know? Yeah, yeah. I guess so. That. Th then, also, the football thing is like there would be a million people writing, even if there was minor rigging with the officials, some ex referee would have found Jesus or something and then come clean and wrote a book about it. Yeah, for money or for guilt right. or whatever. That's I just, right. I always find it the weird scapegoating of the officials is like, no, they just make bad calls. They're not even full-time employees. They're no. they fucking they're dentists during the week, right? Yeah, right. <clears throat> all right, let's do uh, let's do this. All right, all right, kids, put your thinking caps on. It's quiz time. I don't know how many of these we'll do. I, I grabbed about eight or ten of these all Super right. Bowl quizzes, Super Bowl quiz questions. I thought these were some of the more interesting ones that I ran across. Which future Hall of Fame coach retired immediately following his team's 33 to 14 victory? Ooh, I, I got choices for it. You want choices? Okay. Yeah, I do need choices. Lombardi, Landry, Paul Brown, Don Shula. Uh, it was two. This is, this was, is uh, the kind of shit that. Uh, it was uh, not Lombardi. Who'd you say after Lombardi? Uh, 
Before Paul Brown and after Lombardi. Tom Landry. Tom Landry. The answer here is Vince Lombardi. Oh, I knew it wasn't Shula. That's romantic, isn't it? You fucking win and then leave. I mean, I I know I don't. I have mixed feelings about the guy, but I still I remember when the Bucks won the Super Bowl. I was like Tom Brady. If you say anything other than goodbye into that microphone, you're an idiot. Yeah, right. He did the thing. The, he left the Patriots. The other he team won the Super right. Bowl. With the other <clears> team. He could have gone out. It's not like his legacy is like tarnished by the last two years, but he would have seemed even more like a space alien if he would have quit on right. a. And not a win, man. It's the only way you can do that is to retire after the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. All right, here's an interesting one. How many passes? Do you, chime in here, uh, Jerry and Ron and whoever else wants to. How many passes did Joe Namath throw in the fourth quarter when he led the Jets to the shocking upset win over the Colts? Three. Uh, let's give Jerry and Ron a chance to. You I think thought that was one it, of those like uh, big ground think, game things where Namath got all the buzz, <laughs> but it was actually a lot of running game stuff. That is correct. Ron says zero, and that is the right answer. Zero. Zero fourth quarter passes. I should have gone prices right rules and gone as low as possible. This one's like 55 years ago, so it's a different game, right? Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl five is the only Super Bowl where you tell me which one of these is true. Johnny Unitas played quarterback for the Colts. Tom Landry's team ended up on the wrong side of the score. A defensive player won Super Bowl MVP. A member of the losing team won Super Bowl MVP. Member of the losing team won Super Bowl MVP. That's correct. Chuck Howley from the Cowboys had two picks and a fumble recovery. He's the Super Bowl MVP and his team lost. I I feel like... I think that should happen more often. I agree. That must happen all the time that the best player is on the other team. Yeah. But that's, think we, about we, one of those. Like we're so joke. American about it. We don't even yeah. think of the other team anymore once they've lost. Like, I mean, I, I don't have a specific example. Think of some game where like Joe Burrow played great and narrowly lost. Yeah. You know? And maybe it was a bunch of factors on the other team. You know, it wasn't the same Mahomes or whatever did great. It was a team effort to beat Joe, but Joe was the best player. I think if Joe's the best player and he lost, you give it to Joe. Right. <laughs> that's always that's always bugged me because I theoretically I think the MVP should probably about twenty five percent of the time be from the other team, and I think even in the, even in season long, like by the way, Michael Vick was the MVP of a few seasons in the NFL. He just played for a team that was eight and eight. They would have been zero and sixteen without Michael Vick. It was they were that, fun to watch, even though they were atrocious and terrible. There was that interesting argument when Hertz was out for the last few games in Philly. And people said that he probably was an outside MVP candidate, but that that hurt his chances. And I heard somebody make the interesting point that if Philly would have lost every game without Hurts, that that would actually prove that he was definitely the MVP because they were so good with him and then lost without him. Right. They did yeah, they, not lose. I, was, I, I remember joking about this, but it was also kind of a real point. Like the year when Peyton left, the Colts completely collapsed. Yeah. And it was like that should have been the year that he won the MVP. <laughs> Yeah, and then the Super Bowl that he won the MVP, he was like the third worst player on the field. <laughs> you know, that was a total team effort. He was a game manager at that point. Right. right. But I actually would Denver, say Justin yeah. Fields was one of the MVPs of the NFC North because literally the only thing the Bears had going for him all year was Justin Fields. Yeah, that's right. Just by yeah. the eyeball test, that guy was playing pretty great with yeah. nothing around him. And it would, they would score 30 and lose. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. 
All right, Super Bowl 23. Before leading his team on a game-winning 92-yard drive, Joe Montana famously spotted what comedian in the stands while huddling with the teammates. Is it Roddy Dangerfield or Don Rickles? That's the right universe. It's these are your choices: John Candy, Eddie. Murphy, John Candy. It's John Candy. Bill Murray, Jerry Seinfeld. It's Jerry, John Candy. Yeah, it's John I remember Candy. hearing that story and thinking, uh, I would. Yeah, I, I think I would be the happiest to see John Candy of like maybe any human being. Yeah, the way I've heard this story, he was very casual about it. He's like, hey, John Candy's over there. It was just like on his way to preparing the big yeah. drive. Like, yeah, it's John Candy. <laughs> I mean, if you're as famous as Joe Montana, you're probably a little less, uh, you know, odd. You're like, oh, that's cool. Right, right. Yeah, right. I'll probably see him at the after party. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl 29, and one of the greatest Super Bowls uh, ever played by a quarterback, Steve Young led both teams in rushing. He also set the still standing Super Bowl record for touchdown passes. What? <laughs> That's crazy. I, how many touchdown passes did he throw? Four? Still standing. Oh, five. Six. 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 And he was the leading rusher on both teams. He should have got the MVP for next year's Super Bowl <laughs> just because he had so much credit carried over from the last one. Jeez I love that clip, Christ. by the way, when, when the Niners are clearly about to win the, their first Super Bowl with Young, and he's on the bench, and he turns and he goes, get this monkey off my back, and yeah. somebody comes and pretends to take oh, the monkey off his back. Best. I was like, that's a real honest moment right there. Oh, it's so real. Oh, my goodness. God, he was imagine? fun to watch play, man. I love watching Steve. But following Joe Montana your whole career, <sighs> criminy. All right. Super he's Bowl. like if Aaron Rodgers was likable. <laughs> <laughs> Super Bowl 32, despite not rushing for a single yard in the second quarter, Terrell Davis led Georgia Bulldog led the Broncos to their first Super Bowl after rushing for 157 yards and three touchdowns. Whoa. So he, he did that in three he did, quarters. Basically. He did, had no yards in the in the second quarter, but he yeah, got 157 like yards, <laughs> three touchdowns. What caused him to miss the second quarter? Oh. I don't know. Ankle sprain? I don't know. Yeah, this I didn't know this. I don't even remember this I don't being remember a thing. This, yeah. A migraine. Can you imagine having a migraine oh. in the Super Bowl? That's a bad draw. Yikes. So right? it wasn't even football related exactly. And then he went on to have like a crazy game. Like, oh, Jesus. I wonder if they shot him full of some sort of migraine drug back there or something. They must have, right? Oof. Migraine during the Super Bowl. That's a tough draw. All right. Super Bowl 37. The Buccaneers picked off Rich Gannon a record five times. En route to a big victory. How many of those interceptions were returned for touchdowns? Oh. How's this for a stat? <laughs> I'm going to say three. Three is correct. Because honestly, my answer was, well, two so many. Two you know? so many. But it's like, because you're asking the question, I got to add one. But oh what? my God, three pick sixes in any game. That's like One Nathan pick Peterman's six stuff. in a Super Bowl is heart-wrenchingly yeah. painful. He had three. I once asked Rich Gannon to come uh, join us in the uh, uh, Quick Snaps the podcast, <laughs> and he was uh, very quick to say no to me. <laughs> uh, I tried to get Ryan Leaf for that real video that me and your ex-wife made for you, and Ryan Leaf was like, "No, <laughs> no." And I actually wrote some pretty good jokes for Ryan Leaf that were like, I was like, "I'm not going to make Ryan Leaf." Tell jokes about Ryan Leaf sucking. Right, but right. That's not cool. Yeah, yeah. So right. I wrote 
some like Ryan Leaf revenge jokes that I think he actually would have liked, but we didn't even get that far. He Ryan Leaf's pretty cool. I talked to him last year at the Super Bowl. He, uh, I thought if I actually could have got him in a room and if I'd have met him for a second and I'd have told him what the plan was and yeah, told yeah. him who jokes, I was like, I know you'll go for this. Right, but right. I totally get that he's like, dude, I know. It's like, you're like, hey, I want Bill Buckner to go tell my buddy because <laughs> my buddy screws up all the time. I'd be like, nah, I don't need that. Thank no, you. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Super Bowl 39, which receiver famously caught nine passes for 121 yards despite playing through a severely sprained ankle and a fractured fibula? Oh, God. I'm, I'm, I'm not good with the Super Bowl numbers. Who, was, who played in 39? Well, I can't tell you that because then you'll know. <laughs> I'm, people who can just be like, oh, Super Bowl 32, that was the one. I, the yeah, I know. That's not I'm even like... really part of the question. Right. I happen to know this one because I have a personal story that goes with it. Well, I don't So who is I don't have no idea. All right, it's it's Terrell Owens, Michael Irvin, Dion Branch, or Randy Moss. I would say, well, it wasn't Randy. Oh, 39, was that was that Patriot? I'm gonna say Randy Moss. The answer is Terrell Owens. Oh, I was gonna say Michael Irvin, but the Moss thing just because you're like, well, when you get to the modern era, just guess Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, I, a few months earlier, I went with Caroline Ray to the David Letterman show where she was Ooh. doing a taping as a comic. She was doing stand-up. She did, sure. had five minutes. She'd been working on notes back and forth. It goes on for months. I don't know if people oh, God, know yeah. this. So she's going to do the taping. Terrell Owens is the first guest. Dave and Terrell have this great connection. Dave loves him oh, no. and brings him back for another segment. And, and uh, she gets oh. bumped. She gets How long did it take her to get back on? It was a while. Because that's the thing is that like people think it's not like you get bumped to the next day. You might get bumped to the next six right. month window. Right. But before the game, we're in the green room and I'm, I'm shaking hands with T.O. and we're talking football and we're all kind of goofing around. And she goes, uh, uh, break a leg, you know, when you, I, I guess you don't say that to a, to a football player. And we kind of laughed about that. The very So she gets bumped. The very next game, he breaks his fucking leg. Whoa! Yes, well, he's, he out short. The, he's out for the whole season, and he comes back and has this gargantuan day in the Super Bowl. They barely lose, but he had a great game. Uh, and then he was traded to the Raiders. And and my, I had told this story to a couple of my buddies over, you know, over the course of the year. And my my Raiders friend friend calls me and goes, "Hey, keep your fucking witchy girlfriend away from my one new wide receiver." <laughs> I mean, she really did play a witch on TV. She was a and witch. she cursed him. So I mean, we're two for two. Broke his fucking leg. Uh, Super Bowl 41 for the first you know time. You know she's not a real witch, by the way? Because <laughs> neither of your legs are broken. Uh, <laughs> if she had magical powers, you'd be limping to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she's something that rhymes with witch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she's very nice to me. Uh, yes, yes. Very nice to me. She's very nice to me too. Some of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, everybody. Uh, Super Bowl 41. For the first time in uh, Super Bowl history, the game started with uh, a an onside kick, b a touchdown, the first offensive play, c a kickoff return for a touchdown, d a touchback. Gosh, touchback is interesting because it's such a – I'm going to go touchback because it seems like it's such an obvious one that should have happened by now. Yeah. This, this one a, I picked in part because I have a personal story too. The answer is C, a kickoff return for a touchdown. Oh, was okay. the first play. See, that's the almost thing too 
in a weird way too obvious. Right. I thought touchback because it seems so not obvious that it was so weird that it had to be the answer. I didn't look this up to confirm that I'm right, but I believe this was the Devin Hester game. It was Bears oh. Colts. And oh, I was yeah. I was in the Bahamas with the Bob and Tom crew, almost all of whom are Colts fans. Oh, and yeah. some of them are buddies with Peyton and Saturday and whatever. Yeah. Uh there was a room of about 200 people watching the games, like this private event and the thing. They do they at, at the time they would go every year. And it was kind of a thank you. They would charter a plane and fly down from Indy. It was kind of a thank you to their vendors and sponsors and stuff. So yeah. a bunch of their like big advertisers would come with them as like this big thank you. Gathering. Tom Bernard did the same thing with his crew every year. Ah, I love that idea. It was a big Tom Bernard trip every year. to the. It was so profit. fun, man. Yeah. So it's a room full of like Bob and Becky Cavoy, you know, Becky's wearing these cults boots and a fucking blue thing. And, you know, like they're into it. Oh yeah. And the very first, it's not even an offensive play yet. It's the first moment of the Super Bowl. Devin Hester runs it back a hundred yards for a touchdown. You could hear a fucking pin drop in this place. <laughs> I, I remember because I was watching that with a huge Bears fan. And it was like, you've never seen anybody more excited. My buddy, Chris Wisman, he's up, he's screaming, he's shouting. And, you know, it's basically all downhill from there. Yeah, if you're right. a Bears fan, that's right. It was Rex Grossman. So then Peyton oh. Manning methodically just mm -hmm. tore them apart and yeah. won the game. It was fun to watch. And uh, one of my hero, one of my all-time heroes, Todd Snyder, was there. And I ended up hanging out with Todd Snyder, drinking beers and watching the Super Bowl with Todd. That's Snyder. cool. Yeah, it was super cool. Um, all right. Super Bowl 44, during the team's 31-17 win over the Colts, Saints coach Sean Payton became the earliest coach in Super Bowl history to attempt what? Oh, onside kick. Onside kick, correct. Open oh, the Sean second Payton half. loves his onside kicks. Oh, man. It was, and it was exactly what he needed because he was the lesser team that year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember being pissed about that. I was rooting for the Colts. Yeah, I was rooting against the Saints because they just beat the Vikings, I believe. Oh, is that the year with the, I with think the that Favre? Was the year that, I think that was the I year. I think that was the Favre year. I'm pretty right. Yeah, because the Saints only won. Breeze only won one, right? Yes. Yeah. So the Saints only won one in that Breeze era, and that was definitely the time because they won the NFC Championship and went on yeah, to win you're that right. year. You're right. That's and part I was of the so reason mad. I was rooting against them because I was like, this is not the better team. I know. I was just furious that they were in it. I would. I just. I was so mad when they won because I was so. I'm still mad at the Saints about that. <laughs> well, my buddy Nate Abshire is from New Orleans. We watched the Super Bowl together, and he was so drunk and he was so astonishingly obnoxious about catcalling me and all my friends about the Vikings having lost while his team won the Super Bowl oh. that it like. Po I've told him Nate this before. We're still very good friends, but it like poisoned me against the Saints. I root against the Saints in almost any circumstance for that reason. Wait, you transferred your hate to the Saints and not Nate? <laughs> well, I have to live with Nate, and I don't have to live with any of the New Orleans Saints. So, but yeah, I mean, like, I that's when I think back to my like, like, oh, I just have an instinctive hatred. It all goes back to that. That's funny. All right, we got three more of these. These are fun. Uh, Super Bowl Forty Six. Eli Manning, following the team's uh, win over the Patriots, became the fifth player with multiple Super Bowl MVP trophies. Which of these quarterbacks is not a member of that exclusive club? The other Manning, Brady, Bradshaw, Montana. Well, Brady, obviously, lots. Of obviously, them. Brady's in there. I gotta assume Bradshaw's got a couple. Um, was it was Brady Montana? Do the names again. I think I know who it is. It's Peyton, Peyton Manning. Peyton. 
Peyton is the answer. Peyton, Peyton, he, I guess, won two Super Bowls and was MVP of one of them. He did not win the Super Bowl. He was, I believe Vaughn Miller was the MVP of the second Super Bowl, but he won with the Broncos. Oh, you're right. That I'm is almost positive it was Vaughn Miller. But that was the game that Peyton was a, a really, a, I mean, props to him, but he was a total game manager in that one. It was a great right. defense and a, yeah, that's right. and a balanced offense. I, I, I thought it was good for Peyton. It showed his strengths of like, hey, I'm old, but I'm so much smarter than you that it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, Super Bowl 52 in defeat. Tom Brady set a Super Bowl record for passing yards. In defeat, the most passing yards in Super Bowl history. You want to take a gander at what and this that number was the is? Seahawks game, right? No, this was, was the, the Eagles. Oh, the Eagle, right, right, right. The Eagles. This was the Eagles. It was the crazy, like, both teams went completely bananas offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a this number's big. Give me a guess. 475. 505. Woo! Can you imagine your quarterback throws for 505 yards and you lose? Wow. Jesus. He threw, he, he threw for like a ninth of a mile. That's <laughs> crazy. That is crazy. All right, last one. Super Bowl 55. This was just two years ago. Who caught Tom Brady's final Super Bowl touchdown pass? Was it Gronk? Was it Mike Evans? Was it Chris Godwin? Or was it Antonio Brown? I'm pretty sure it was Mike Evans. That's, it, that's what I would have guessed. It wasn't Gronk, right? wasn't Gronk or Mike so, Evans. Okay, then it was Godwin. It was Antonio Brown. <laughs> that's a shit. That fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oof, oh, that, and that's how we close our Super Bowl quiz. <laughs> Well, usually when Antonio Brown comes up, whatever everything ends shortly. Whatever, after. whatever was happening has just been destroyed. <laughs> it's great to talk to you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, tell me who's winning the Super Bowl. I really hate the answer to this, but it's the Eagles. Just the Chiefs? No, it's the Eagles. The Eagles oh, it's the Eagles? Oh, I want the more. I want the Chiefs. To, I hate the Eagles, and I love the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs a lot. I like Pat Mahomes. I love Mahomes. I like Andy Reid. I'm more of a Bengals guy, but I like both of those teams a lot, and I like the Bills. I hate, I hate every team in the NFC basically that's not the Vikings. I think the Eagles are the best team top to bottom. But if Patrick Mahomes does his wizardry on his one leg, and the defense comes to play, you know, then the Chiefs will win. I think Mahomes' ankle is going to be in much more <clears throat> shape than Hurts' shoulder. Yep, and I think sure. that's going to be a big factor. Also, it's those Eagles just swarm. I mean, that that is an incredibly balanced team. Um, There's something else. Yeah, but Mahomes is a crazy wizard. Oh, I, he's the best player on the field, but I think uh, I don't think his team is as good around him. And I think that man, high ankle sprain for him, him being in the pocket, it's just he's he's still the best passer. He's still the best quarterback, but that mobility is going to really limit him. Yeah, we'll see. That's why we watch the game. I hope you guys get what you want in terms of the game. I uh, hope you have fun. Win your squares. Do your whatever. Come join us at uh, 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 underdogfantasy.com with all pro lines code. Uh, where can people find you, Brian Miller? Oh, uh, at Real Brian Miller on Twitter, Funny Brian Miller on Instagram. And uh, if you're in the Rochester, Minnesota area, everyone is February 17th. <laughs> Good to talk to you, buddy. Come find me at Kostaki.com. Get the info. 
Follow me on social media platforms. I'll be posting like crazy from Phoenix with uh, Willie G and Frank Caliendo not doing my sketch ideas. Uh, <laughs> I love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Go Chiefs-ish, maybe. I like this music. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc